Welcome to another episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast for the thinkers in freight. Hosted by me, Blythe Brumleave. And on this show, we're telling stories about how your favorite stuff and people make it from point A to B. Now, in addition to being a creator in freight, I'm also the founder of Digital Dispatch, helping companies to build a better website from the ground up. We host more than 30 websites all within the freight space. So for more info about me and our product or sponsorship offerings, be sure to visit everythingislogistics.com. In today's episode, we're pulling together a recent appearance from FreightWaves Now, which if you work in logistics, you likely know who they are, but if not, FreightWaves is the leading daily news program focusing on the top stories in and around freight and logistics. So be sure to check them out over at FreightWaves TV for more stories like this and my own future appearances on the program happening every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that's where I cover the intersection of digital media and the attention economy in logistics. Now that I've got all that out of the way, let's get into today's episode. And Blythe, let's talk a little bit about some of the lessons that you learned at the most recent conference that you went to. You're kind of this conference traveler. Where were you at and what were kind of some of the biggest things that you learned? Oh my God, I am so tired, but I am ready to be back here with you guys (laughs) and back into a regular swing of things. Um, I was most recently at the TMSA, so the Transportation Marketing and Sales Association, um, which I'm a board member of, just, you know, sort of been a part of them for about a year. So this was my first conference for them. It was down in Orlando. So it was, you know, sort of right in my neck of the woods, but it was incredible to see how many marketers, because from a marketing perspective, you always feel like you're alone in this industry. You're, you're a one person team. You're doing all of the things you're, you're, you're being hired for, you know, maybe a social media role, but you're expected to do videography and graphic design and all of these other things. So there's a unique set of stresses and circumstances that we deal with working in this industry where we have to keep, uh, keep on top of all of the different marketing news that's going on, but then also keep uh, on top of all of the different freight news that's going on. So it's an incredibly challenging job and role. And so with everyone that was coming to this conference, everyone was in the similar boat as me. And so it, it was my first opportunity to sort of feel like I wasn't alone. And being able to talk to other marketers that are in this industry that have come from other industries that you know started off as that one person role and now they're growing. It was just fascinating to have some of these, these really in-depth conversations about what they're doing, what's working, what's not working, and how they're continuing to grow their team. Blythe, if you would have asked me years ago when I was an ignorant college student, I would say marketing is so easy until I got a struggle to get a C in my first marketing class. And I've been struggling with marketing ever since. It's just always changing. And there's so much to take into consideration. When you look at the current marketing trends, what are some of the shifts that you're seeing right now when you're looking at marketing within logistics? So there were a couple big things that I really saw, especially when it comes to logistics, is I am somebody who has not the biggest fan of Facebook. And so that was one of the things that was really surprising that I heard from this conference is that there were a lot of companies that are dabbling in TikTok and they're getting really excited about trying new, new different kinds of content that are uh, that's on TikTok. But then they're still heavily focused on Facebook. And it has a huge sort of reward for a lot of these companies, especially when it comes to driver recruiting and not only driver recruiting, but driver retention. That Facebook groups are the primary 
complimentary way that they communicate and, and share different company news and safety updates and things like that with their drivers. And they get those live updates and it's through Facebook. So Facebook is still, even though I don't cover it as much like this, talking to these people at this conference, it was like, okay, well, maybe I need to actually like download Facebook again and really, you know, start to, to dive into the features. I really don't want to, but I feel like now that, that because of so many people that are still actively involved with experimenting, not only on TikTok, but on Facebook as well. I thought that that was really surprising. And then also seeing a lot of these asset-based carriers that I spoke with that started out as the one-person marketer, but then they're growing where they have certain roles where it's one person that's focused on one social media account. I thought that that was really interesting too, that there's just one role within the office, within a trucking office, that all this girl is doing is she's doing TikTok videos. And I thought that that was fascinating to see how the roles are starting to shift and how this industry is starting to recognize that marketing can really be a powerful force in order to get your brand out there, keep that brand awareness. And then when somebody is ready to make a purchase or make a jump to a new company, that's really where your brand stands out because they see the culture, they see the the, the different videos and, and all the different nuances of working for your company before they ever get a job or before they ever you know apply to work for your company. So I thought that that was fascinating too, is that this is they're using different roles within the the marketing sphere and then building on those as the marketer starts to get you know more traction gains more trust within the executive team and then they can start hiring the 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 positions that they feel really passionate about and that was evident at this conference Blythe, I'm interested to get your take on some of that marketing strategy and some of the social media experimentation when it comes to a company brand versus an individual presence. Because like, there's some folks in some companies, maybe some larger companies even, who might have a really, really good social media presence, who enjoy doing social media, who say, you know what, I like doing this alongside my other job. Maybe they're a driver who started posting TikTok videos and it's getting a lot of traction. But sometimes as a bigger brand, it can get kind of haywire, right? You can get kind of uneasy about the single person being the brand representation for you on social media. Where does that line sit with these brands? Or are these companies still kind of unsure of where that line is? And then is there a threat for these companies to step in and say, you know what, we're taking over your social media accounts. We don't want you to do this anymore. And we want to really rein it back. Oh, well, I, I have a couple opinions on that because if I was working for a company and they told me that I was not allowed to promote myself as part of like a personal growth, like personal brand awareness, I wouldn't work for that company. And and that I think is the, the mindset that a lot of, of sort of traditional older companies, maybe more established companies have, have tried to do so in the past until they start to see that it works. That is another one of the takeaways from this conference is that a lot of the folks there, they I don't want to say they weren't necessarily worried about their company because they definitely were. They're, they're very passionate about learning how to grow that company because then that can help them in their own personal growth as well. But the majority of the people there were, were interested in personal growth. And that to me is a huge recruiting advantage is that if you as a company can invite workers to your company using your social media, using the company page versus a personal account page, then you can offer that personal growth to some of the top performing employees 
and some of the, the, the top performing people that you want to get to come and work for your company. So if you are embracing of it, Freightvana is, is a great example that, that comes to mind where they actively are encouraging their employees to publish to social media. Because guess what? If your employees are testing things out and being creative on their own personal brand, which has a greater awareness than some of your company pages, then what you can do is you can use a strategy called user-generated content, except for the users that you're using technically are coming from your own employee base. And so then you can see what content is performing really well on their personal accounts. And then you can ask them to repost it to your per- to your company pages. So to me, it's a win-win. And if you're still in, if you're a company and you're still in the mindset of you're just scared, you don't want the employee to sort of start posting and you don't want them to post crazy stuff, you know, you know, tend to stay away from like politics and religion. That That's usually the, the, the safe area of, of how to encourage employees to, to post on social media. But if you are the, the, the company that is scared of that, let your employees just experiment with getting their messaging out there, getting their sales calls out there, talking about what they're seeing in the market, because then you can use that for your own personal company pages. But if you're just one of these companies that just don't want anybody to be active on social media, you want all the love to go to your company, then I think that that's a little bit of a you know backwards thinking. And it's not the way of the future. You're not going to get the best employees if you have that kind of mindset. And you're damn sure not going to get the best social media content. Okay, I'm so glad that you brought up Freyvana because that's exactly what my next question was going to be. Thinking specifically of Josh, who's really over their entire content marketing team. The first time that I met him, I met him at TIA conference back in April. And we were talking about this and he was like, you know, my interest is in freight, but my passion is creativity. And that's kind of something that I think a lot of folks don't maybe see in this industry, right? Is that they think that you have to be so overtly passionate about freight to get into it and then dabble a little bit in the creative side or dabble in the marketing side. But it's really, you can flip the script on that. You can have passion to be creative and create content and passion about marketing and just be a little bit interested in freight, right? And kind of the way that these companies now are taking the approach of this is really highlighting that. Other than Freyvana, do you have anybody else that you think does a really, really good job of that? Oh, that's a good question. I, I would probably say the, gosh, Freyvana is a perfect example from a 3PL perspective. I would also say Freight Plus. Um, back when, you know, Kyle McNaught, who is a, you know, friend of the show, um, friend of a variety of different shows within Freight, um, he was really leading up the charge for a lot of their content um, within the building, which I thought was really fascinating to watch from a use case perspective where he was organizing these interviews from subject matter experts within the company. And so, so that to me was using your your leadership, using your managers, using your VPs and using the experience from in the trenches and then conveying that into different social media platforms and podcasts and videos to me was the most valuable insight. They, they have market updates and market industries and, and how they can take that front line in the trenches insight and then bring it to an audience that can better understand these different lines of business. LTL is a perfect example. I really didn't know out outside of what the acronym LTL means of how the, the complexities of it and LTL shipment can move. But that podcast and that from that 3PL broke it down for me. So I'd say Freight Plus is, is another great example. And then really a lot of the best sort of content that's coming out. Steam Logistics is another one. I would Rocket Shipping is another one that I would give a shout out to because they're killing it on TikTok. So I would say those are a few examples, but really where the best content is coming from and it has been for a while are the drivers. The, the, the drivers mm-hmm. are are the hands down the the best social media game in the industry. 
But today we're talking about marketing and why your marketing needs to be leaner. What exactly do you mean by that? So the first thing that, that typically happens, we, we've all heard over the last couple of weeks about all of these tech layoffs that are going on within, you know, just the overall economy, overall ecosystem. And, and what typically happens at a lot of these companies, and not just within the tech space, but really all throughout is when times start to get a little tough, when, when things start to get challenging, the first jobs that are typically cut are in marketing. And so when I, I talk about having a leaner approach to marketing, historically, what happens when with a marketing department is that it's, there's, you know, a lot of overhead. You're spending a lot on, on advertisement. You're not exactly sure if it's working. You're, you're spending a lot of time and investment on things that you've done that have been successful over maybe over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years. But over the last few years, it, marketing, especially in the B2B space, has changed dramatically. And there was a new study that was released by Sales Monango out of the UK that surveyed 250 CMOs. And 74% of those CMOs have either seen or are facing cuts to their marketing department. So we can use numbers like this as sort of a signal on how US-based companies really need to start thinking proactively and don't not panicking, but being proactive with how they're spending their time and how they're spending their, their uh, money when it comes to their marketing investments. And so that's really where, you know, I think a lot of teams really need to focus on their customers and get leaner. And Blythe, I think that makes all the sense in the world. I mean, when it looks at, when we're looking at different economic downturns or different cycles, marketing is definitely one of those areas where it really is going to be, you know, paramount to make sure that you're doing it in the right way. Can you talk to, I mean, just efficiency definitely has to be one of those areas where you can't just get rid of marketing because now you're just kind of make your situation a lot worse. Efficiency definitely seems like one of those areas that really has to be honed in on, of course, different aspects of the business, but especially within marketing. At 100%, because that's where we're seeing a lot of wasted dollars, because then you, you tie it back to the traditional sort of measuring when it comes to the ROI of marketing. And they're still in that same report. It was 40% of respondents said that they still struggle to prove the ROI of marketing to the CEO. So when I talk about not panicking and being proactive, then that means you need to take on an educational approach when it comes to your marketing and sales. You need to be explaining to the C-suite, to the rest of the executives of what's going on in the market and how these different platforms are changing and evolving. Privacy regulations that have come down from Apple, for example, have pretty much decimated the entire you know, adver digital advertising market where you're not getting that same transparency. You're not getting that same you know, ROI and proven ROI for your marketing campaigns. And so what happens with that is that you really need to get scrappy as a marketer. You need to go back to the drawing board. You need to prioritize being in sales meetings and so that you can understand what are these issues that are going on within the customers that we're talking to? What kind of problems are arising after they've become a customer? What kind of questions are they asking? Because you as a marketer can create content around that. That can fuel your entire marketing ship from your website copy to your email outreach, to your cold email outreach, to your cold calling. All of these different structures have a, have a downstream effect if you listen to your customers and if you talk to your customers and start getting more involved with other departments within the company. Company. Another great tip is to work with the revenue side of things. So the CFO and finding out what is actually driving revenue. As a marketer, it's no longer feasible to not understand what's driving revenue. You need to understand that so that you can fuel those programs from your customers that they want to see in the future. And so that's where when I talk about don't panic, 
be proactive. These are the kind of conversations that you need to start having so that when the CEO comes to you and asks, what's the ROI of X, Y, and Z program, you can give them a confident answer and explain the balance and the art of that balance between art and science. You know, that's really what marketing has evolved into is that you really want to be creative and you want to have that, that freedom to be creative, but you also need to justify it to a specific ROI. And if you can't explain that, you need to go back to the drawing board. Sometimes I think it might be easy for companies to, when, when they're looking for cuts somewhere, to think that those creative positions, whether it's marketing, communications, um, as being maybe the fluffy, you know, jobs there, something that's non-essential to the work. But that's really not how it is, especially in today's world when marketing spans so much more than just, hey, come buy our product because of this or whatever it is, you know, and there's so much more that goes into it. And you've touched on some of it, but... When it comes to those marketing positions, what is what are some of the things that, you know, marketers are really dealing with on a day to day to express the, I guess, the full range of their jobs? Well, they really have. It's really a lot of, especially in freight, it's one person marketing team. So you are, if you are a marketer at one of these freight companies, you are tasked with doing everything. You are the podcast host. You are responsible for posting to social media. You're responsible for commenting and engaging. You're responsible for measuring those at those, those efforts. You're probably responsible for managing, you know, teams of different contractors or freelancers that are helping you out with graphic design. It's a whole just ecosystem of what is expected of marketers. And so there's, it's actually a really kind of fascinating time to also be a marketer because there's these, all these other tools, there's more than 8,000 marketing tools that are out there that can help you do your job better and help you do it with less resources. And so that's where you, you really need to you know take it back a notch and look at the overall landscape, look at the overall strategy as, as where you want to spend your time and where you want to spend your money. Because at the end of the day, you still, need to measure whatever you're working on creatively, whatever resources you have or you don't have, you still need to be able to measure those. And one of the best things that I, I harp on this all the time is to add one field to your high intent landing pages, to your high intent forms, meaning someone's coming to your website. They're looking to request a quote. They're looking to book a meeting. You need to add this field. How did you hear about us? Make it a free text field, make it required and allow somebody to just freely enter in, not a drop down where they select, you know, Instagram or whatever as how they heard of you because people will get lazy and they'll just pick the closest one. You want people to actually write down where they heard from you. And I've implemented this across a lot of my different client sites, my own sites, and the data that we're getting is astounding. One client in particular is, you know, obviously driver recruiting is one of those big challenges that companies will always face. They're seeing feedback on these driver applications. I saw your truck driving down the road. I met one of your drivers at a rest stop. These kinds of things would not come from marketing attribution software. And so we need to get creative whenever we have, you know, these different opportunities in the marketing sphere, but you still need to be able to drive measurable results. And adding that one field to your forms will tell you the value of the work that you're working on. So you can go back to the CEO of those 40% of people that can't, or those 40% of marketers that can't, you know, try their efforts back to ROI. You can go back to that CEO and say, here's the report of all of the forms that were completed on the website. And here's where they're hearing about us. This is where we need to invest more time and money. And that's where it makes sense to the CFO, it makes sense to the CEO, and you'll have more backing and you can justify it over time to get more resources back. And Blythe, I mean, one of the, I think, great points that you made there, of course, again, the ROI. 
when you're looking at, of course, as I mentioned earlier, slowing economic times, downturns, things like that, are there any room, or is there any room for all-in campaigns within marketing? I can only imagine, of course, you go back to CEO, you see where some of your CFO and you see where you're getting a lot of your returns are coming from. Is there any room to just say, hey, we're going all-in on this product offering or service offering, or you're seeing that you're having a lot of success on a certain platform? Is there any room to just go all-in on that platform, or is it just kind of really too risky still to just put all your eggs in one basket? I would say that it's really, it depends on your situation. That's a famous answer in market. It depends. <laughs> so what happens is if you're a one person team, then you really only have the bandwidth to focus on one or two channels at a time, maybe LinkedIn, maybe TikTok at the same time. But if you are a growing marketing department and you have more resources, then you can justify, you know, maybe starting a video podcast and, and taking that route. And so it, it really depends on what your situation is on, on how many resources you already have. But you really, to justify any new program, you need to be in the, on those sales meetings and you need to be talking to customers because that's what's going to fuel the rest of your ship is because of those direct conversations. You can know exactly what verbiage those customers are using, what verbiage the leads are using, what they came to you. If they didn't close on a deal, why didn't they close on that deal? What were their expectations that weren't being met? And how can we combat that with content that we can create and be proactive with creating resources on the website. And then those, 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 that type of information will then fuel all of your marketing campaigns and you can resonate or you can either find out if it's going to resonate with them or not based on how many high intent leads are coming to a landing page. If that trend is going up or down, if people are completing the form and then what happens after they complete the form, do they show up to the meeting? Do they actually, you know, have a great conversation? Are they moving through that sales funnel, that sales cycle? And then what happens at the end? Do they close or do they, did they close win? Do they close loss or how, what is the result of each one of those? Why did they close win or why did they close loss? So really it, it stems back to having those conversations with your customers, but first getting in on those sales meetings so you can kind of have an idea of where to go next and where to invest next. hope you enjoyed that episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast by Digital Dispatch, where we help your company build a better website. And speaking of my company, I founded it back in 2018, but we recently streamlined our website services plans. So if you want to check out how we can help you and your marketing team build a better website and connect those ROI goals, then go visit digitaldispatch.io. You can also check out past episodes of this show and every show by hitting up the resources page on digitaldispatch.io or on everythingislogistics.com. I do some freelance content projects for select clients. And if you liked this show, then you might like some of the other content projects that I've worked on, like Cyberly, Maritime Means, and more. But until next time, I'm Blake Brumleave, and I will see you real soon. Go Jags!